SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Conference USA Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Uh, that being said, we're not the only site on the SB Nation network that does talk about G5 football. And we are so glad to have somebody from our sister site, The Hustle Belt, uh, who covers the Mac football, Mr. Zach uh, Follador. Did I say that right? You got it, man. You nailed it. Nice, nice. Uh, you can catch Zach as well as uh, someone who uh, the Underdog Dynasty folks might know, Steve Helwick, on the uh, Mac Bandwagon podcast uh, on Hustle Belt. So check them out when we're off. But uh, Zach, really excited to have you on today and talk uh, some mid-American football. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm excited to be here. And uh, yeah, what are we, six weeks about, about six weeks from kickoff here? So I'm uh, so close I can taste it. I'm ready to watch some football. Yeah, man, exactly. So close. Got the grill revved up. I got some body paint, you know, chilling in a cooler somewhere. (laughs) I mean, I live on the I live on the West Coast, so I don't know who I'm doing that for me, really. It's just me and my cat praying to a big red altar for WKU games every every week. (laughs) As uh, as Eric Henry shakes his head because his uh, his big red uh, animosity has been made known many times on this podcast. Here's the deal. It is not an animosity uh, towards Big Red. It is a fear. That thing walks around and it devours people and you never see them again. And Zach, just to you know, let you know, I've, let's see, I've covered three games now um, that have uh, involved Big Red, you know, just controlling the sidelines uh, uh, <laughs> in a way that uh, makes me rather uncomfortable. So, you know, I, listen, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the folks at WKU. Made my first trip to Bowling Green last year. A nice little community. Keep Big Red and all mascots that have heads away from me. If I can't see that to a person, I'll take the pass. I am just waiting for a Five Nights at Freddy's mod that's just all Big Red. <laughs> <laughs> to show, really quick, Joe, to show that I'm an equal opportunity mascot, you know, like just... Uh, to, to quote, to quote the great Odell Beckham when uh, COVID was first coming out, uh, he said, "Me and COVID have a mutual respect. I, it, I don't want no problem with it. It don't want no problem with me." Because that was how Odell <laughs> felt that COVID worked. Um, that's how I feel about mascots. It has sure. its space. I don't want no problem with it. It don't want no problem with me. Same thing with Nitro. I was walking across campus one day at UCF, and I, I just walked the other side of the road. Like, look, you stay over there. We stay over here, and we live our separate lives. That's how I feel about mascots. I'm sorry. Man, did we ever talk about my very short career as a collegiate mascot? <laughs> Zach, you, you, sorry, you're going to have to uh, indulge us here for about 90 seconds. I have never I, heard I, I need to hear this story as well. I'm intrigued in, myself. In, in the four seasons we do this podcast, I've never heard this story. Sure. So in grad school, I was a grad assistant at Seattle University. Go Red Hawks. And the regular mascot called in sick. And being a team player, I was like, I'll do it. So I dressed up as Rudy the Red Hawk. Uh, thankfully, there was no, you know, dance sequences or anything involved in that. I just basically had to walk around the concourse and take pictures with kids. And one kid asked, why does Rudy the Red Hawk have a beer gut now? And then I was asked to not do it again. <laughs> so that was that was my career as a collegiate mascot in the NCAA. Oh, man, Joey. It, it's, it's, it's the thought of you just, you know, meandering around, having to take pictures with kids. That's just like. Yeah. yeah, and nothing sort of grad school life more like that, right? Yeah. 
Oh, I forgot. I filmed a I filmed a, a commercial for Saddle for I don't know where it ended up airing on, probably just YouTube, but I filmed the commercial with uh Cameron Dollar, who was the basketball coach at the time as well. Uh <laughs> that was and he was like, What are why are we doing this? But <laughs> yeah. But before we before we get too into the uh <laughs> Lovecraftian mysticism of mascots, Zach, I promise we brought you on to talk football. Um so to start off with, one of the storylines that uh, a lot of folks within the Mac have been paying attention to in the offseason is how Ohio is moving on from uh Jim Solich with Tim Albin. Uh how are the Bobcats looking for 2021? You know, despite the the coaching change, um Ohio is still a program that's in really good shape. Obviously, having your your head coach, uh, your new head coach already be on the staff and have the staff continuity, that helps a lot. But this is a really senior team, a very veteran team. you got nine returning returning starters on offense, eight on defense. Um, last year, you had uh, Nathan Rourke. I'm sorry, Curtis Rourke, who's uh, Nathan Rourke's younger brother, uh, take over at the uh, at quarterback position. You have two really good running backs coming back. You have Demontre Tuggle and Oshan Allison. I expect Demontre Tuggle to have a really big year this year between behind that veteran offensive line. You know, Tim Albin, the previous offensive coordinator, now the head coach, uh, has overseen some really prolific offenses here at Ohio for the last you know five or six years, where they've you know really been able to move the ball on the ground. They're one of the few kind of ground game you know based offenses in the conference, and I think that that going to continue this year i expect a big year from demontre tuggle and uh, curtis Rourke at quarterback as well as kind of a dual threat guy so i still think the bobcats are in good hands and can compete for the eastern division crown looking into the west then who are you kind of expecting that you know that mac championship heat at the end of the season to be between if you think the uh the bobcats are the team to beat in the east well i think the west is is uh is tough the west is loaded with good teams this year. Obviously, Ball State coming off last year's great season, they win their final seven games and win the MAC championship over Buffalo. You know, they have 20 returning starters back. So I think they're a natural, uh, popular pick to win the division and, and justifiably so. I, I do think um, at the end of the year, I think they have as good a chance of anybody to get there. I think a team in the West I'm looking out for, though, that if anybody's going to knock off Ball State, I think it's going to be Western Michigan. I think Western Michigan uh, is, is another very veteran team. Nine, 19 returning starters, uh, four returning starters on the offensive line. I think, me personally, I think they're going to have the best offensive line in the conference. You have uh, returning starters like uh, like Mike Caliendo and uh, a couple of other returning starters as well. Dylan uh, Deathridge at right guard. This is a really good offensive line. Uh, Caleb Ellaby, probably the most underappreciated uh, player in the conference, the the, um, the Broncos quarterback, eighteen to two touchdown interception ratio last year, and was second in the conference in passing yards with uh, a little over seventeen hundred. Uh, so I think if anybody's going to knock off Ball State, I think Western Michigan has the best chance to do it. Obviously, Drew Plitt, Justin Hall, everybody back on defense for the Cardinals, they're going to be tough to beat. But uh, they have to travel to Kalamazoo on October 9th. I think that'll be a really big game in the conference this year. I think the winner of that game is going to have uh, have their inside track to Detroit. Those uh, league games within the MAC certainly bring some excitement to Tuesday nights. Uh, but shifting the perspective to the MAC schedule against you know the other conferences, both against the P5 and the G5, uh, what are some of the marquee MAC games this year against those other conferences that you're paying particular attention to? 
Yeah, sure. So um, a game that's gotten a lot of attention uh, thus far this year, I think uh, a couple games I'll, I'll cover. Um, week one, you got, uh, I just mentioned Western Michigan. They're traveling to Ann Arbor to take on in-state rival uh, Michigan, the Wolverines. I think, you know, there's a lot of question marks in Ann Arbor right now. Uh, Jim uh, Jim Harbaugh and, and his team, there's there's some holes on that roster, I think, and and they might have a, a, a tough year this year. And I think, I'm not sitting, sitting here saying that I think Western Michigan is going to win that game. I don't think that at all. But I I do think the Broncos have enough talent to go in to the big house there in Ann Arbor and give uh, give the the Wolverines a run for their money. Also, a, a very talked about game thus far this year. You have um, Ball State traveling to Happy Valley to take on Penn State in Week Two. Uh, that's a game that I know the Cardinals have circled on their calendar as kind of their marquee game. They feel like they can go in there with some some momentum. They play Western Illinois in Week One, so probably should go into to Happy Valley with a one and zero record. And obviously, coming off of last year's uh, number twenty three ranking and seven and one finish, I think they're going looking to go into Beaver Stadium and make a statement. Um, as far as the uh, as you know, fellow um, Group of Five game. Go. I think I'll, mes- I'll mention Western Michigan one more time. San Jose State travels to Kalamazoo uh, in week three or week four, excuse me. That'll be a great game. Obviously, Nick Starkle and so much returning talent for uh, the Spartans this year. They'll go to Kalamazoo to take on Caleb Ellaby in the squad, which I think there will be a lot of points in that game. So those are three games that I'm really looking forward to this year. And I think uh, it's it's been a, a couple of years since the Max had the opportunity to, to knock off a power five opponent. So we'll see if they'll be to get if they're able to get any this year. Yeah, this Nick Starkle kid is uh, taking up a lot of the social media conversation out West, I can tell you that. Uh, But for the CUSA enthusiasts who typically listen to the show, um, any Mac uh, CUSA matchups that you're paying particular attention to as far as uh conference usa and mac matchups go i'm looking week four we got central michigan and and greg McElwain taking on florida international the uh the pan the golden panthers traveling up to mount pleasant i think that'll be a good matchup central michigan is another team that returns 20 starters this year there's a lot of very veteran heavy teams in the mac this year uh the the chippewas are going to have washington transfer former four-star recruit jacob sermon under center uh at quarterback so i think a lot of people are, are interested to see how the chippewas are able to bounce back this year obviously last year's three and three finish under greg McElwain uh was a little bit disappointing for chippewa fans after coming off the mac championship in the 2019 season so now that we're uh, you know back to a full season they had they gray shirted pretty much all of their freshmen last year so they have a big roster and like i said you got Jacob Sermon under center, Lou Nichols and Khalil Pimpleton at, at the skill position players. I think the Chippewas are going to have a good squad this year. So I think that Florida International Central Michigan game on uh, September 25th should be a good one. Can definitely see that uh, shaping up to be an exciting matchup there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, so here's my question, Zach, in terms of individual talent this year, who are you picking for your offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year within the conference? That's a great question. I think, um, offensively a guy that's gotten a lot of, uh, 
preseason hype and and justifiably so. Uh, and I, who I think is probably the best player in the conference, is, is Dustin Crum, the quarterback from Kent State. He was named to the uh, the D- Davey O'Brien Award watch list uh, just last week. Uh, last season, completed seventy three and a half percent of his passes, twelve touchdowns, two interceptions. He also uh, led the team in rushing. I mean, this is a guy two years ago in his last uh, in our last full season completed. I mean, his great numbers are there as well: twenty touchdowns, two interceptions, completed almost seventy percent of his passes he's a dual threat guy uh Kent State with a really high powered offense here under coach Sean Lewis the last few years so I think that he is a guy uh that I I think you know the defenses in the Mac are going to have a really really hard time stopping him this year and then on the uh the defensive side I actually you know a guy I really like on the defensive side of the ball that doesn't get quite as much press is Terry Myrick the the linebacker from uh, Eastern Michigan uh, two years ago in our last full season at 89 tackles last year, even in just a six game season had 67 tackles and, uh, and was one of the, the, Top uh, top defenders in the in the MAC last year, one of the top five leading tacklers in the conference. So this is a guy that doesn't get talked about quite as much. Obviously, Brandon Martin, uh, Ball State's linebacker, was the defensive player of the year last year, and he returns this year. Obviously, he should be in that conversation as well. But I really like Terry Myrick from Eastern Michigan. Was uh, again fourth leading co- tackler in the conference last year. I really like his versatility, and I think Eastern Michigan is an underrated team. Awesome. So one more question from my end before I turn it over to Eric here. Sure. Uh, Zach, in your opinion, what Mac team is closest to a New Year's Six bid? That's a great question. Um, I think right now at this exact moment, if we're talking about this season, I would probably go with Ball State just because of all the returning talent they have from last year's uh, Mac championship team. They have a, a much improved defense this year, a very veteran defense, and obviously Drew Plitt back at quarterback. is right up there with Dustin Crum as one of the best in the conference. And then I think the reason why I like Ball State so much, though, is is the the veteran leadership that they have at the skill positions. Obviously, that includes Drew includes Drew Plitt, but that also includes wide receiver Justin Hall, the the active NCAA career receptions leader. Uh, You have a veteran offensive line, five starters back on the offensive line this year. So I think this year um, with, with their talent and the way their schedule sets up, I think they're, they're probably, we probably would be the best position this year to, to make a run. I'll go and pick up there where Joe leaves off and going to come back to a, you talked about central Michigan a little bit. And of course I have a keen interest in that game seeing as, you know, from the CUSA side of things covering FIU, but want to ask you this, the Jim McElwain, you know, as a whole there at central Michigan, you know, his former stops, Colorado state, and of course spent some time in the sunshine state as the head coach of Florida Gators. What is kind of the perception, the feeling around Mount Pleasant with uh, Jim McElwain there? Of course, he took over a program that was 1-11 prior to his arrival. Eight-win season last year. We had no situation with COVID, 3-3. Three and three. Just overall, what's kind of the feeling with Jim McElwain? Do they, is there a feeling that, you know, and I don't necessarily know, you know, how plugged in you may or may not be, but just as a whole, is, is this a, a pit stop for him or is this, you know, a situation where he could possibly be there uh, three, four, five years? Uh, that's a gr- it's a great question, Eric. And, 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 the, the Central Michigan fans that I interact with are, have been very, very happy with the job Jim McElwain has done and in the, just the, his two seasons. Obviously, you mentioned, you know, this is a program that they're, this is a proud program that is used to competing for MAC championships. And, you know, they come off of a 1 11 season in 2018. Nobody, uh, including the, the most diehard Central Michigan fans, expected a MAC championship in, in 2019. But that's what uh, almost what he, what he was able to, to deliver to them. I mean, 
you look at what he's done with their offense going, you know, last year you lose your starting quarterback, uh, David Moore, because of that ongoing, you know, NCAA suspension saga. You got to start over and find a new quarterback this year. You start a true freshman, uh, Daniel Richardson, and he and he performs well. And, you know, you go three and three. You have some issues on defense, but there's still a lot of young talent on this team. He's recruited very well, both in the transfer portal, getting guys like Khalil Pimpleton from Virginia Tech, and, and also uh, just, you know, bringing in good, solid, you know, classes with a lot of three-star players players in there, which is kind of, you know, what, what you're expected to do if you're going to compete in the Mac. And so I think the, 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 the feeling around uh, Mount Pleasant right now is that they're, they're very happy with the job that, that McIlwain has done. And I do think, you know, I'm not going to say it's a pit stop for him, but I do think if, if Central Michigan is to win a couple more MAC championships here over the next few years, I do think a bigger pro- program is going to come calling, and I, I could definitely see him wanting to jump for the right opportunity. But he seems very happy at Central Michigan. He's embraced the the culture. He's embraced the the town and the program, and the, it seems to be working you know, mutually beneficial right now. Bo- both sides are uh, very happy with the arrangement, and Central Michigan as a program is in a good place. Let's take a trip to an area that is near and dear to my heart. Um, on my first gig, Joe, you may not even know this one of my first gigs coming out of grad school the the brookfield gazette out there in the suburbs of chicago decab spent a little time there you know backing up on uh, northern illinois rod sure. Carey obviously had a lot of success there and he now is with temple but you look at the the job that thomas hammock has uh, had the uh, kind of unenviable task of following up from rod Carey. had so much success there in decab uh for those who may not know thomas hammock former niu running back former baltimore raven uh running backs coach take taken over there and he's Five and thirteen in his two seasons. Uh, what's kind of your feeling around that Northern Illinois program? Yeah, so you know Thomas Hammock, um, he last year pr- prior to last season, before the the pandemic was even you know uh, a factor, they they made the decision to kind of tear things down to the foundation again and build it back up. Right? They had a very veteran laden team with, with in the last couple years of Rod Carey and Thomas Hammock wanted to kind of build his own program from the foundation. So so last year in that zero and six season. They were the second youngest team in the FBS behind only Oregon. They had over 60 freshmen on their roster last year. And that uh, inexperience showed this is a team that, um, you know, they had great moments. They they were never, um, you know, they, they were never – it didn't feel like a hopeless 0-6, if that makes sense. But it, there, there were always moments in each game that you could hang on to and say, okay, this is a this is you know progress here, and or this is a, a young player that's going to be able to contribute for years to come. You look on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, you have everyone back in the secondary this year. Uh, cornerback Jordan Gandy was second-team All-Mac last year. Both of your starting safeties last year were true freshmen, Devin Lafayette and J- uh, Jordan Hansen, and both of them performed very well. Jordan Hansen actually led the team with two interceptions on the offensive side of the ball you have some really really good skill position players Tyrese Ritchie led the Mac in in receiving last year Trayvon Rudolph was a great story he came on as a walk-on last year as a true freshman earned a scholarship and then actually made the freshman all-american team as a kick returner so he was an awesome story Uh, you have true freshman running back Harrison Way Lee as well who uh, was the leading rusher for uh, the Huskies last year 456 yards 4.3 yards per carry You also, this year, under center, you have former Michigan State quarterback and transfer Rocky Lombardi comes in. He's the presumed starting quarterback. So there's a lot to like here with Northern Illinois. I think the questions... Uh, mainly remain with the offensive line and the defensive line. Uh, this is a off, this is an offensive line that frankly needs to get better. I mean, they were 11th in the MAC in rushing last year, only averaged three yards per carry. They gave up 15 sacks in six games. So, if the offensive line can improve and and if the the defense can continue their development from last year, uh, 
I think Northern Illinois can be one of the most improved teams in the conference this year. I think the arrow is pointing up uh, for Coach Hammock in, in DeKalb. All right, Joe, watch this. I'm going to play six degrees of separation and have another FIU tie-in here, okay? Let's take a trip to Bowling Green, Ohio. And the, the power of Google kind of set that program a little bit back. Uh, former athletic director Chris Kingston. You see, Zach, Zach knows his stories. Former athletic director Chris Kingston. Uh, when Dino Babers left to take the Syracuse job, of course, Dino Babers had a very high-powered offense and was you know wanted to keep the trend going in Bowling Green. So he decided to Google which team had the uh, – uh, you know, most prolific offense in terms of hiring a coach. And that Google search led him to Mike Jinks, former Texas Tech uh, running backs coach. And we know things didn't work out there with Mike Jinks. And now uh, former Michigan quarterback Scott Loeffler has uh, taken over now as 3-14, and 14, trying to fix the kind of uh, mess of that situation. The FIU tie-in here is that search, that Google search, led James Morgan to transfer because James Morgan was recruited by Dino Babers, couldn't fit the Mike Jinks offense ends up being FIU's gain, and he ends up being a draft pick in the NFL. But to bring all it back around, uh, it's a whole lot of mess there they're trying to clean up. Scott Loeffler, yeah, 3-14, and 14, prior to him, Mike Jinks did not have much success either, uh, and he ran a very specific offense, which was the air raid. So in addition to trying to uh, you know, build the program back up, it, you got to shift the entire offensive philosophy. So where are they at in that rebuild there? Man, I tell you what. Bowling Green to me is like the perfect case study in what can happen at the group of five level when you hire the wrong coach. You know, I mean, this was a program that was really, really competitive and competing for MAC championships for a really long time. I mean, going all the way back to Urban Meyer back in the early 2000s, you had 15 straight years where Bowling Green was always near the top of the conference. Then, as you mentioned, Eric Dino Babers goes to Syracuse. You hire, uh, you hire Mike Jinks. And the program just cratered so fast. And um, you look at Scott Leffler right now. I mean, three and fourteen in two years, as you mentioned. But it's hard to understate how bad of shape this program was in when he got here. Um, I think last year was a little bit rougher than a lot of us that cover the MAC expected. You know, two years ago you have that three and nine season, but that included a an upset victory over Toledo, which. After that game, a lot of Bowling Green fans were like, okay, we're okay with this year, whatever else we've had to deal with. We got our win over Toledo. So I think a lot of people saw some signs of progress at the end of that year and, and thought next year they were going to take a step forward. That didn't happen for a lot of reasons. They're st they were such a young team. The offensive line is in really, really bad shape now still. They had eight different guys that started on the offensive line last year, and four of them are gone this year. So they had three that transferred out and uh, one that medically retired. Matt McDonald, the the quarterback last year, uh, transferred in from uh, from Boston College, where where Scott Leffler was the offensive coordinator prior to getting hired. And, uh, you know, a lot of people expected him to, to step in and, and – you know, this offense to get, see a lot of growth because of that. And he just didn't have a great year. It wasn't all his fault. Like I said, the offensive line was not good. The, there was not a lot of talent around him and on the skill position, uh, you know, at the skill positions, you know, he, he only completed 44% of his passes. Um, so offensively there, you know, there's, there's a lot of work to do. Terry on Stewart was a true freshman running back last year who showed some flashes. I think he was 
uh, you know, there's there's definitely, you know, you can look at him and say that's a sign of hope. The defense was was really bad last year, as it has been for the last five years for Bowling Green. This, uh, this team gave up 310 rushing yards a game last year, which was last in the country by 37 yards. So uh, there's there's a lot of uh, improvement that needs to be had on the defensive side of the ball. They have a new defensive coordinator this year. They're switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Uh, but, you know, they lose a lot on both sides of the ball. This is the least experienced team in the conference this year. They only have 11 starters back. So Bowling Green, I, I wish I could say that, you know, the arrow is pointing up for them right now. But it's still, this is a program in a bad place. And I think it's going to take Scott Leffler a, a few more years to get them back to a point of competitiveness. For our regular conference USA listeners, you now see why I led with that entire six degrees of separation there is to kind of paint the pictures to why Bowling Green has been struggling now for the past yeah. few years. But uh, got two more for you, Zach, and then we'll get you out of here. want to ask you this in terms of the perception of the MAC as a whole, especially in relation to other group of five conferences. This is a question I like to have to ask other people who may have some experience in other conferences. For example, when we had the athletics, Chris Vanini on uh probably a few months ago now at this point in time, um, one of the points I'd made to him is when you look at, for example, Conference USA in relation to a league like the, the Sun Belt, right? The Sun Belt has, for lack of a, a better phrase, they have an identity. You know, you look at the Sun Belt schools and those games are always entertaining, right? There's always something, you know, wacky out of the coastal Carolina uh, ULL game that comes out, right? You know, uh, the MAC, you know, midweek action. They, they have an identity, right? And in Conference USA, for better or worse, in addition to being a league that geographically speaking, and I can tell you someone's covered games as far west as San Antonio and as far east as Bowling Green, Kentucky, it's, it's, it's geographically not compact and no real identity. Um, I promise you there's a question in here somewhere. I'm not going to opine. My question for you is this. Um, what is the feeling that you have in relation to the MAC, um, excuse me, with the MAC in relation to other group of five conferences as far as just uh, the strength of the league as a whole and its identity? And I feel that question is timely when you look at the Big 12 and they may or may not still be in existence by the time we finish this podcast. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. I think um, the the MAC to me more so than a lot of I, – I, the MAC to me fo- feels more, more – um, Wow, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Maybe homegrown than than some of the other group of five conferences. I think I think from a a, a talent perspective, you know, a lot of people would definitely put you know the Mountain West and probably the Sun Belt now ahead of uh, ahead of the MAC. And I'm not saying I, I disagree with that, but it's it's a lot of you know these these are programs. You know, if so many programs in Ohio and Ohio is a is a state with so much division 1 football talent where it's like you know I can look at Bowling Green's roster or Toledo's roster or Miami's roster or Akron's roster and I can you know pick out 15 or 20 guys that grew up within an hour of that campus and you know you you could say the same thing about Michigan with all the directional Michigan schools um it's 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 a, there's a lot of homegrown talent here that stays home in the MAC and I think that's really cool I think it's also a conference where it's kind of that thing where you can it's a little bit of you can expect the unexpected, right? There, that's kind of become the branding of 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 Maxion on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. You think about the ending that of that Western Michigan and Toledo game last year with uh, Western Michigan winning on that fake spike uh, on their on their final drive of the game. A lot of high scoring teams that love to throw the ball around. You think about some of the quarterbacks that have come out of the MAC in the last, uh, you know, even just in the last five ten years, some of the prolific offenses. So I think that's that's one thing that has always I've always related to with the MAC is it's these programs that are they. They feel very homegrown and and they're um 
they're, they're you know they're really tied in with their communities and their alumni bases. They not, might not have the biggest fan bases, but they have very passionate fan bases, which I think is something that's uh, that's that's really cool. And and you know, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes when you think about you know big time college football. Really quick, for the purposes of this podcast, I should specify when I said covered games as far east as Bowling Green was referring to Western Kentucky. I actually should specify yeah. that. Really quick. Joe, before I ask my last question to, to Zach, I want to just ask this really quick um, on your thoughts on his answer. Something just you know kind of came to mind on the fly here is I don't know, you know, you and I are roughly the same age. When you think about the Mac, right? You think about quarterbacks. Ben Roethlisberger is the, you know, of course, former Mac and Byron Leftwich and, you know, guys like that. At least that's what comes to mind for me, right? That when you think about the Mac, I'm like, all right, if I watch this game Tuesday night, I, I might catch a quarterback who's going to get drafted in the first or second round, you know, next year or the year after. Uh, CUSA, it's not that CUSA doesn't put talent in the NFL, but man, it's a struggle to have an identity, is it not? Yeah, no, totally. I think, especially with, like you mentioned, kind of, there's not very many CUSA guys who are really making headway, you know, making waves in the NFL right now, aside, aside from like T.Y. Hilton, really, and Devin Singletary. Like, I really got to strain my brain to like find CUSA guys who are, aside from those two, who are making an impact in the NFL right now. Um, like, every once in a while, you'll have like a Nick Mullins who has a moment there and then you know, those 15 minutes are over pretty quickly, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Gr- having grown up in Matt country myself, uh, Dayton, Ohio, like Zach mentioned, those fan bases are pretty passionate outside of like, you know, I don't want to disrespect the Miami Red Hawks, but it's, it's hard to cultivate a fan base out there with, and with like, you know, having spent some time on that campus, visiting friends and whatnot myself, you know, sports just are not really, aside from like ice hockey, maybe are not really the cultural like cornerstone of that campus. But, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how well these Mac schools can do from a marketing perspective with such a limited geographic footprint. Zach, I'm going to ask you one follow-up on this. And I I promise I didn't plan on, you know, going this long on this topic, but as Joe mentioned something there, I find another thing that's interesting. When you look at conference USA schools, right. Um, if you take the Texas schools out of it, because if you're in Texas, and I mean, I, I didn't grow up in Texas, but this is just right here from people who live in Texas. The, the, if you don't play football, the, the dream is to go to still to go to Texas or Texas Tech or Texas A&M. You know, sure. you're not looking to go to UTSA or, you know, <laughs> yeah. North Texas. Um, and then if you look at some of the other schools, the, the FAUs and FIUs, now those are bigger schools here in Florida, but they're not the legacy schools. And my point here, Zach, is having spent some time in the Midwest, if you didn't go to that Big Ten school, right, if you didn't go to that Michigan, that Ohio State and whatnot, it seems that there's a little more pride you kind of take in, in going to a northern Illinois or or um, an Ohio or such and so. And maybe in a way that um, in conjunction with the football culture maybe helps uh, build a stronger fan base as opposed to CUSA. So I'm not asking you to opine as to the CUSA part, but would you say, again, that those those fans there, you know, if they're not the the Big Ten, if they're not a fan of the Big Ten team, they really embrace being a fan of the little guy, so to speak. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yes, I think it's the, the you know the Mac schools in the Mac and the Mac fan bases they relish that role of kind of of being the underdog, right? That's one thing. As all of this conference realignment talk has been happening for the last week, and you know we're you know seeing you know, Texas and Oklahoma potentially going to the SEC or whatever. That's one thing that actually really worries me because 
as a as a fan of the MAC, as a fan of college football and and group of the you know all of the group of five conferences. September and the non-conference is like one of my is like my favorite part of the year. I love watching these mid-major group of five teams being able to go into power five conferences and and play and and potentially, you know, get a program defining victory. And I think the Mac is, you know, the programs in the Mac really, really relish that. You know, when uh when Ohio, when I was back when I was in school at Penn State uh in 2012, Ohio came in in week one to Beaver Stadium and, and beat Penn State. And like that was like a program defining moment for Ohio. Anytime a Mac school is able to, to, you know, take down a big 10 school or an ACC school or whatever the case may be, that's like something that their, their fan base is going to remember for the, for forever. And it's, you know, going to be something that their program is always going to remember and always going to talk about. And so it's that underdog mentality that I think really uh, it's, it's builds that sense of passion. And you're right. I do think that plays a lot into it of of these smaller schools that you know group of five schools that have these passionate fan bases they kind of relish that underdog mentality and and they relish not having you know the platform or quite you know the same financial resources that the power five schools might have and they're able to do uh, still be able to you know still able to compete with them one of my favorite sports bars in chicago joe redmond's ale house it is a niu bar and uh, i want to tell you they they do it up for niu games they, they get feisty but uh, uh enough about that here's my last one for you zach and we'll get you out of here uh you did give your picks as far as you know um offensive and defensive players of the year just want to ask you in general if you had five names that conference usa fans should keep an eye on you know because we're all general college football fans uh five names out of the mac that we should keep an eye on in general that, that you like who would those names be it's another great question. I would say uh, I mentioned Dustin Crum, quarterback from Kent State. I definitely would remember his name. I think he's probably going to be the MAC Player of the Year this year, and uh, you will hear his name called in the NFL Draft next spring. Um, I would also throw on with uh, there. I'd say uh, Kevin Marks, for the Buffalo running back. Uh, he was Jared Patterson's backup last year and still had over a thousand yards in only seven games. So he's actually having been a Jared Patterson's backup for his entire career is actually already in the top ten. Uh, in Buffalo history in terms of rushing yards. So I think he's going to have a huge year this year. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I really like uh, Brandon Martin, the linebacker from Ball State. He was the defensive player of the year in the conference last year. And uh, he's a, a playmaker in the middle. I think he's another guy that I could see getting drafted uh, coming up here next year in the, in the NFL draft. A couple of really good, actually, defensive backs as well. Terry Myrick, I mentioned, from Eastern Michigan. Uh, so I won't talk about him right now. Sam Womack from Toledo and uh, Bryce Cosby from Ball State, two really strong defensive backs, uh, two two of the better individual defenders in the conference. And uh, Eric, I know you asked for five. I'll give you one more. I'd say Ladarius Jefferson, the Western Michigan running back, uh, is I think going to have a breakout year this year. Like I mentioned earlier, I think Western Michigan has probably the best offensive line in the conference. And Ladarius Jefferson is a guy that averaged over six yards a carry last year. I expect him to have a really big year for the Broncos. Last thing, Zach, if you wouldn't mind just, you know, dropping a note to old Butch Davis there, you know, tell him I ask great questions. I appreciate the compliment on that. Great. I ask great questions. Hey. I'll do what I can. Yeah. Great. Thank you, sir. Because <laughs> we, we know Butch listens every week, right? Sure. Just, just like uh, just like Frank Solich is a, listens to the Mac bandwagon every week. He's a big fan. So yeah. <laughs> is that is that real or is that a bit? I wish I wish that was real. I wish okay. that was real. <laughs> fair enough man uh but zach really can't thank you enough for your time and your insight into mac football
ball. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode of the COSI Underdog Podcast as we get closer and closer to the start of the college football season. If you want to hear more from Zach and his insights on the Mid-American Conference, uh, you can check out the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast on HustleBelt.com. Uh, and their Twitter is Mac underscore Bandwagon. See, we're not the only ones pretentious enough to use underscores in our Twitter handles, Eric. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, of course. And then at Hustle Belt, uh, obviously, is their main Twitter feed if you want to hear from uh, their team. And uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Underdog Dynasty, at Joehio underscore, at Eric C. Henry underscore. And uh, keep checking out UnderdogDynasty.com every day as we build up to a new 2021 football season. Happy football watching, everybody. Take care. Mm-hmm.